0: I'm going to give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do, lead and love your life. I want to talk today about something that you may say is a strength, or you may say this is your weakness and you're kind of bragging when you say it's your weakness, but I'm here to tell you that it is not something to brag about. And it's not something to be proud of. And that is being a perfectionist. So I want to dispel the myth of what being a perfectionist really means. So if you are interviewing for a job, and they say, what is your greatest weakness, and you say being a perfectionist, you are probably humbly bragging about the fact that you are very detail oriented. I don't look at it that way. I actually see it three ways. And I'm going to tell you about three things that perfectionists embody that are scary. And I'm also going to give you tips on how to work through these issues. So I have worked with many perfectionists. I have been a perfectionist. I am definitely a little bit looser since owning my own business, having children, being married, All these things have made me move away from these perfectionist thoughts and behaviors. And I want to talk through that. So when you tell people that you are a perfectionist, that to me means that most likely you're a poor time manager. So think of the friends that you know of that are perfectionists. It means they're going to spend obscene amounts of time on something that really shouldn't take that long. Folding laundry. Organizing the kitchen, uh, getting your kids ready to start school, Uh, you know, any of these things where they have to go through so many steps and they get so bogged down in the process. I would even say project managers or people who are over a team of people that are terrified of everything going wrong. So they get stuck in analysis paralysis is what I call this. So we can't launch until this is absolutely perfect. And so what they do is they get mired down in the things that yes, of course, it would be wonderful if every single thing would be perfect. But they're missing the forest for the trees. Should it be absolutely positively perfect? Or do we need to honor our commitment of time? And time to the people that are on the team, time to the clients that hired us, so many time commitments there. So you may know this perfectionist because when you invite them to dinner, they're always late. When you have them in a meeting, they're always late. And what does that say really to the people that you are letting down? What that says is you don't care about their time. And you don't even realize probably that that's what you're doing because you're so stuck in perfectionist land of we've got to get this other project right. I'm so sorry I was late. I'll just say I'm sorry, it's fine. Instead, you need to honor your time commitments. And I would put alarms on your phone about 15 minutes before something needs to start where other people are involved. And the reason I want you to do that is because you need 15 minutes to finish up what you're working on. Does it mean that you're never coming back to that item ever? No, but it means in order to honor the next commitment and the people involved in that commitment, you need to wrap things up now. Maybe that means taking some notes. Maybe that means handing some things off, you know, delegating to a group of people But you must close that loop and then move to the next task so that you're honoring other people's time. The next one is they don't finish things, which I kind of alluded to in the last one, right? Because like I'm saying on projects and things, it's never good enough. They couldn't finish it. I've seen people that have, you know, back in the scrapbooking years, I've never been a scrapbooker. If you're a scrapbooker, you are an amazing human being. I don't have those skills. I don't have the patience for it. But it just reminds me of perfectionists because I've seen people that have never finished scrapbooks. They finished like two pages of a scrapbook and it took them seven hours to do it. And it was because it was never quite right. So they never finished. And that is typical perfectionist living they don't finish tasks. And what they're saying is a couple of things. One is it's not good enough, I need to fix this, I need to change this. There's always going to be something you can change, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But are you really afraid of rejection? Are you afraid of what could be said negatively about the thing that you're creating the project, the book, the art piece, whatever that is. I think that's why the perfectionist does not finish things. But again, to the outside world, what you're saying is, I'm not reliable. I'm not the one that you want to say, give her this task, and she will take it to the finish line. Because I think that that's a shame. What I think would be beautiful is if a perfectionist was paired up with a finisher. Because a perfectionist does a great job of outlining what needs to be done. But a finisher actually does the tasks. So in the game of baseball, there's the closer, right? The the pitcher that comes out to finish the game. That's what you need. I believe that finishers and perfectionists really should work as a team. Now, they're going to hate each other. (laughs) But if you honor the gifts that each of you bring, then it's definitely a good thing. The final one I want to touch on is perfectionists are incredibly critical of other people. And if you've had a perfectionist boss, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you turn in something, it is picked apart I didn't like that you use this word. I didn't like that you use this font. I didn't like that you use this color. I'm talking nitpicky stuff that at the end of the day, doesn't holistically matter to the end product. But think about what this really is that's going on with the perfectionist. When people are critical of others, they are at least two to three times more critical of themselves. So if you are working with somebody who is uber perfectionist and picks apart everything, maybe you had a parent that was like this. I hear this a lot where my mom said that I could never do anything right. I never got my dad's approval. Well, what was that really about? That was about your parent or your boss or whoever it was really feeling less than themselves. And they mirroring that onto you. And that's dangerous. Because my biggest fear is that perfectionist behavior will spread. I think it's a cancer. And we need to stop this behavior in its tracks. So the next time someone is picking apart something, the way you act, the way you dress, this thing you built, I would ask them to tell you more about that. What is that? What's driving this feeling for you? What could I do better? Just to open it up, just to see what they say. And if it's fundamentally not who you are, then you need to say, I'm sorry, that's not even the spirit and intent of what I was trying to create here. When people are critical of others, just think of what those poor people are saying to themselves. So if you are one of these people, if you are overly critical of others, if your children have told you this, if your spouse has told you this, here's what I want you to do. Before you find yourself critiquing someone, catch yourself. The minute you see it, you feel it, you're about to say it, it's right on the tip of your tongue. I want you to stop and think of three wonderful things about that person, that thing. And if that critical thinking happens to be about yourself, I want you to do the same thing. So if you are thinking critically of an employee, I want you to think about three amazing things that that person brings to the table. And trust me, I've dealt with bad employees. I've fired people. I understand this can be difficult. It can be that they're a great dresser. (laughs) It is okay. Just get your head out of critical land because it's really important to share positives with people. Wrap it in a little sandwich for them, is what I like to say. So, start with something they did really well. So, let's pretend that you have somebody on your team that created a report and you feel like this report was just half baked. It's not good, it was not researched well. You can tell they threw it together. It's sloppy. So they send it to you and you can say, thank you for bringing this to me on time. That was great. What I would really love to see more of is, and then point out the areas that need a little more researching, talk about ways you can help them with that. Oh, you can use this database. You can do that. You're teaching them how to fish here. And then you're going to end with, I love the font of this. I love your thought process here. I love whatever it is, something else. I love your attitude on a daily basis. Whatever it is, I want you to bring that to the table. Because instead of walking into that meeting and saying, I don't like this, change this, You threw this together. It's so obvious you threw this together. You don't have to be that blunt. You're going to put that person on the defensive. You're going to turn them off and you're going to extinguish their fire. Now, I am sharing this because I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm raising my hand. Hello, my name is Emily and I'm a recovering perfectionist. I did an amazing job of taking people's flames. I had a team of people at one point that I might as well have had a revolving door in my office. They would walk in, I would get them excited, and then I would dash their dreams with my perfectionist attitude. One was I expected so much out of others because I've always expected so much out of myself. That's just who I am. I also put a lot of significance in who I am in my work product. Now, That is a dangerous game to play because you can't really control that. And understanding that my personal significance can be independent of my work product was key for me to understand, but it took me a while to get there. So in this perfectionist land, when I started managing people, the reason I was using them up so fast is because I was breaking their everything they were doing apart. Why didn't you do this? Let's talk about this. Could you finish this? I need this. Could you do that? And I wasn't saying, thank you. This is great. You saved me time. You are an amazing human being. I'm so glad you're a part of this team. You add a different perspective that never even crossed my mind. You are making this team better and stronger. I realized this after a very hard season of really reevaluating myself and trying to figure out what it was I wanted to do. I read about 26 books to figure this out. Every book told me it was my fault, (laughs) which was a really hard pill to swallow. And I had the amazing opportunity to change and we all do. I don't care if you are 25 or you're 75, you can change. And I decided I'm going to dramatically change how I manage people. And in that process, everything I'm telling you today, I turned around. I put those reminders on my calendar and was not late to meetings. I honored the time of the people that I was meeting with and the people I was about to meet with. I finished things. In fact, I... Involved my team and created ownership so that they helped the team finish things. And I stopped being critical. Now, did I have hard conversations? Of course, but I had them in that sandwich method because I never want somebody to feel less than. I want them to feel better from the time that we've spent together. Did you love what you heard today and you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. You can also follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn by simply typing in Emily Hawkins, the number for the letter U. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's at eHawkins28. I'll see you here next week.